Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. Cheese, 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 and cauliflower. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. Cheesy, cheesy cauliflower. Well, hello. Yes, hello, hello. It's your dearest, dearest, dearest butler friend, Chappie. And it's the 28th edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Welcome along. Um, I went to bed early last night. I had the uh, cold sweats, a temperature, sore throat, incredibly tired, exhausted. So a little bit worried I might have uh, gone the same down the same route as... Uh, uh, Lord Trump, the Emperor Trump, um, but I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling fantastic today. I tell you, apple cider vinegar, turmeric, a spoonful of the raw stuff, get your tongue yellow, um, and lemsip, one of the greatest uh, inventions um, for uh, any man, woman, uh, animal, vegetable, mineral. I don't know if dogs can have it, to be honest. Maybe I need to think about giving my dogs... A, uh, a little dose of lemsip now and again. Uh, poor Jack does have a rather raspy bark these days. But welcome, it's Mocktober. That is Mock Turtleneck October. Um, I think we need to go full turtleneck though. Get the full neck up there, folded over, très élégant. Um, so wear your turtlenecks with a plum uh, this October. Um, before you start growing those nasty beards and moustaches next month. Um, thank you very much for joining the podcast. It is lovely, 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 lovely to have you here uh, in this whimsical little portal we like to call uh, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I'm just thinking about some things uh, this week. I, I was thinking, I mean, I have some very deep philosophical thoughts through the course of the week. And one of the uh, thoughts that I had was I think I'm a mixture of Hallmark Holiday Movie, Romantic, and Cheeky Chappy. So I'm a mixture of Hallmark Holiday Movie, uh, Romantic, and Cheeky Chappy. And something else that I realized with the weather turning chillier, weather turning colder, it was freezing out there, bitterly cold. First time I needed the gloves here in Colorado, uh, since probably about April or May time, maybe, that my nipples are like a sonar. Um, you know, with it getting cold, I think it's invigorating to uh, wear a little vest, short sleeves, get everything, you know, get the blood rushing through the body here. Uh, but the nipples are like sonar. Um, you know, they, they basically point in the direction I need to go. There's no need for uh, GPS or Google Maps. If I need to go right, they twerk to the right. Um, and um, I, I think cold is good for you. Cold showers are good for you. Uh, ice water is good for you. Feeling a little cold at night helps you sleep. I've had the fan and the window open. I think cold does wonders and it invigorates you. Um, so welcome along. Uh, thank you for joining the podcast. Some of the things we may or may not be talking about today. Uh, we have dog walking doppelgangers. Um, we may be looking at that. We have um, some of our British eccentrics, our little feature enigmatic English eccentrics. Um, we have a, another round of um, Monarch Tinder, or historical Tinder, um, and uh, look at the, you know, trust us, 
the changing face of Britain. Um, a, a recent program analysed portraits of hundreds of figures from British history to assess their trustworthiness. We'll be looking at that story later um, as part of the uh, podcast. Um, there's been a complaint by a few ex-cons that there's no vegan meals at their jail. Uh, the driver has been arrested after a Dukes of Hazard drawbridge jump. Yeehaw, baby! Um, and uh, some of the best tin food jars and pantry essentials to get us through the winter and possibly uh, another lockdown um, through the course of uh, October through into the next year. Um, David Cameron's apparently splashed out on a $50,000 heated pool. Uh, he's really had been in the news uh, quite recently. Um, the oldest Roman body armor has been discovered in Germany. They uh, do say the Romans built the, build the best things the best. Um, has COVID-19 killed sexiness? Um, zip it up. Love it up. Um, buttoned up boss betrays all working women with no cardigans memo. And uh, the Sherry Triangle, a corner of Spain that is forever England. And much, much more on the podcast. Again, get your comfy chair out. Get your posterior sitting down or maybe laying down. Maybe you like to squat. Maybe you can squat through the whole 40 minutes, 45 minutes of the podcast. If you do, squat away and listen and enjoy. Trust us, it's the changing face of Britain. An algorithm that rates portraits for integrity shows it's now better to be loved than feared. Henry VIII's run of marital strife suggests that he was not particularly interested in being seen as dependable. Now an algorithm seems to have confirmed that. The programme analysed portraits of hundreds of figures from British history to assess their trustworthiness of the faces that appeared. The researchers behind the work believe that the movement towards more positive scores, which mean that somebody looks more dependable, sheds light on a fundamental shift in the nature of Western society. Figures such as Henry VIII, who strode the corridors of power during the 16th century, appeared to have lived by the Niccoli Machiavelli cutthroat dictum that it was safer to be feared than loved. They chose to be depicted as magnificent, glowering tyrants, uninterested in winning the sympathy of the masses. As democracy and commerce evolved, it became important to gain the confidence of one's peers and the people, according to Nicholas Bamard, Professor um, of the Superior in Paris who led the study. As a consequence, leaders began to choose artists who present them in a more benign light. They opted for more baby-like features like large eyes, which humans associate with trustworthiness. Uh, eventually, they went on to be pictured smiling, a revolution that may have owed something to the progress of dentistry. The uh, scientists behind the project said over the past 500 years, the rise of importance of trustworthiness in portraits had gone hand in hand with the rise in democratic values of prosperity in Western Europe. Religious tolerance increased, witch hunts abated, honour killings and revenge lost their appeal, and intellectual freedom became a central value of modern countries. However, the algorithm which had been trained to pick out the facial features that humans assess, we make a snap judgment on a person's character who suggests not every modern statesman fits with the trend towards greater appearances. Photographs of Boris Johnson, President Trump, President Putin, analysed uh, for the London Times, ranked very low on the trustworthiness scale. Probably we know their history most of the time, uh, achieving scores that most uh, conniving of all Tudor monarchs might have envied. On a scale of 3 to minus 3, Mr Trump scored minus 0.6, a score fit for a 16th century despot. 
Mr. Putin scored an extraordinarily low minus 1.3. A government-issued photograph of Mr. Johnson at a score of minus 0.8, while a campaign uh, photo of uh, beaming Joe Biden achieved a sickening positive 1.4. Meghan Markle, Duchess of Sussex, achieved a very high 1.9. The algorithm was susceptible to the same bias as humans, rating younger, feminine and happy faces as more trustworthy. Looking back further into history, uh, Thomas Cramner, a leader in the English Reformation, is particularly untrustworthy. The former Archbishop of Canterbury helped to build the case for the annulment of Henry VIII, as such as one of the architects of the separation of the church from the Holy See. The algorithm assessed the portrait of Cramner, uh, painted in 1545 by Jarek Flick, depicts him as a severe, uh, scowling figure, and gave him a, a score of minus 2.5. Henry VIII scored a minus 0.6 on average. Uh, overall, um, Elizabeth II uh, gave a trustworthy 0.8. I mean, none of these are particularly high, to be honest. However, I mean, I would probably go back to the painter and see if you can get another portrait done or something. I wonder, um, you know, what Ronald McDonald would come up come up as if if you uh, if you uh, took a portrait of, uh, of of him or any other cheeky, cheerful chappy. Um, but incredibly low. I, I mean, I would. Take the painting back and uh, see if you can uh, get it etched and painted again, I would say. I'm also really wondering if a wrinkled orange cheetah with a toupee seems particularly trustworthy. What do you think? Jail has no vegan meals, complains eco-activist Roger Hallam. The co-founder of Extinction Rebellion complained about living in a cockroach-infested cell with in inadequate vegan food and released on bail to face trial for allegedly plotting to vandalise trade unions' properties. Um, but apparently uh, Hallam, a former organic farmer who set up the pressure group, um, who you know, appeared in court uh, last week, was incredibly upset, held in poor conditions with cockroaches and mice, uh, denied a desk and five days, only allowed the cell for 40 minutes. Um, and, but most of all, he was incredibly unhappy that uh, he was only fed meat when he really wanted some vegan options. I wonder in jails, though, I mean, I, I think about not that I would equate boarding school to jail, but... I was really fed like pig swill and pig slop at boarding school. I wonder if it's the same in the jail. It's probably harder to uh, to smuggle a hacksaw in within a within a veggie veggie burger that may break apart than maybe uh, maybe into a large sausage. You could probably you could probably smuggle a hacksaw into a, for a large sausage or maybe wrapped in a piece of uh, uh, filet mignon or something along those lines. Uh, potentially, I'm not saying they would have that. Maybe a stew. A very thick stew with dumplings. You could hide all sorts of indiscretions in a thick stew with dumplings. A driver was arrested after a Dukes of Hazard drawbridge jump. A ship was ploughing up the Rouge uh, in Detroit and a drawbridge was lifting when a car came roaring down the road showing no sign of stopping. The bridge operator saw the car accelerate and looked and said, No, he ain't. Uh, Andre Locke told uh, WDIV TV, I hit the emergency stop on the bridge and the bridge jammed. The car went up the rising arm of the bridge, went into the air and landed on the far side. Over he went, blew out all his four tires and he crashed into the other gate. On the police radio, an officer's heard to report, he dukes of hazarded it. Uh, referring to the TV show, it, ma it makes me it makes me wonder though. I'd I'd love to see him do like a sort of evil Knievel sort of jump, whilst hawking up a lump of uh, baccy into a spittoon bucket. I wonder if I wonder if you ever keep like chew and baccy behind the ear. I know you can. Some people do that with chewing gum. I wonder if it would be uh, particularly uh, available if you were, if you kept the baccy behind the ear. 
given the depressing state of the world news, there's a better time, there's no other better time to take the Maria Kondo approach to stocking up your pantry. Fill your shelves with tins and jars that spark color in your joy, preferably items packaged to look like miniature works of art, which contents require minimal preparation. Some French cassoulet, perhaps, that just needs pouring into a saucepan, or uh, birth sardines from Portugal, uh, only need a hunk of sourdough to mop up the juices. While chewing, pondering the benefits provided by preservation. Um, so the consumer group reported that the frozen vegetables contain more nutrients than fresh ones. Likewise, tin food retains its goodness more effectively than being refrigerated in plastic. So, you know, this article uh, is talking about, you know, fish and seafood. If you associate tin sardines with lackluster camping trips, you should look at the tinned fish market. All of the fish are sourced from small family businesses in Spain, France and Portugal, and they take their tins, tins very seriously the packaging is beautiful you want to frame it looks like a sort of monet or one of the impressionists on the front of these uh, in the front of these tins here uh, all of them are in beautiful olive oil as well absolutely uh, delicious uh, feeling more adventurous try the uh, galician specialty chipperonas uh, squid in its own ink um, it's warmed on crusty bread uh, again uh, that's uh, also uh, uh, in, a, in a tin, uh, posh tinned anchovies of olive and light wine, white wine vinegar and a touch of salt. Absolutely uh, delicious as well. The French, contrary to popular conception with meats, love their ready meals. It's just they like to buy them in tins. The cookbook writer Alex Hollywood says she rarely leaves France without a boot full of tin duck confit. Roasted, you could roast them with duck fat chips and decant the rest of the fat into a jar for Sunday roasties or Christmas roasties, roast potatoes. Absolutely fantastic. The Good Food Network sells a range of French uh, terrines, confits and meals, but you can get La Belle uh, Charrine Confit de Canard uh, from the goodfoodnetwork.com. Absolutely uh, delicious. And you can make your cassoulet uh, with, um, with the lardons and uh, maybe some sausage as well. Um, and then you've got the confit duck leads that have uh, been soaking in their own fat for a long time with the Toulouse sausage as well. Absolutely phenomenal. A very easy way to make uh, uh, to make uh, uh, cassoulet. Uh, also, um, you can get the, um, uh, the white beans as well. Um, the northern beans, I think they're called, uh, which are absolutely fantastic to go in as well. And that moves on to uh, some beans and pulses that are essentials uh, during the lockdown. Uh, Maseretti beans, uh, chickpeas, um, any sort of tin beans are really good for you as well. Um, lots of protein in there and uh, keep you uh, keep you going for many a moon after luncheon. Um, also, uh, uh, vegetables, peppers are often tastier from jars. Odessa and Coup are good brands. Um, and also Picacillo uh, pepper strips are absolutely uh, delicious as well. Uh, also, some of those uh, fire roasted tomatoes, absolutely delicious uh, as well. Um, and, and, and then they go into some of the fruit, Marks and Spencer's peach slices, absolutely dish, uh, delicious, wild figs in jars. I mean, there's many different um, uh, opportunities. A beautiful little article uh, in the London Times about tin food from the table, Richard Goodwin. Um, and I uh, highly recommend getting some of these uh, jars and uh, tin food uh, to stock up for the winter. Who knows what's going to happen? You probably won't be able to get any more bog roll for a while. No bleach, but you know what? You can live on cassoulet and duck confit and, uh, and, and, and beautiful jarred pickles 
and, uh, and, and beautiful jarred vegetables as well, just to keep you going through these hard times. News came in in the week that David Cameron, former British Prime Minister, splashed out on a $50,000 heated pool. He obviously built that little shed as well where he was writing his memoirs that had uh, brutal sheepskin uh, chairs uh, laden with fluffy carpets. Um, I think he had a bottle of McKellen's, a little bar there as well. Absolutely fantastic little man cave he had there. But he splashed out on this heated pool. So Cameron's already red-faced from those memoirs uh, from one of his former MP's wives. But maybe he's going to consider a Tory Toff orgy in the hot tub. Lots of bubbles going everywhere. Not just the bubbly going up uh, uh, from the champers, but the bubbly uh, also uh, emanating from the, uh, from the hot tub uh, also, no doubt. So in 77 years since Maria Dickin began, uh, began awarding medals to animals serving the military conflict, 34 dogs, 32 pigeons, four horses, one cat um, have been uh, rewarded for their heroism. Um, one animal, uh, however long derided as a harbinger of doom and disease and dismissed as an enemy, has remained absent from the now deceased Dickens' military menagerie. To break the rat's barren streak would surely take an extremely accomplished rodent. Step forward Magoa, an African giant pouched rat, who almost every morning for the past four years has got up very early, gone out to field, and without thought for his safety, hunted for landmines. Today he'll get the frontline uh, gold medal for life-saving bravery and devotion to duty. Mawara became the first rodent to achieve the medal from the PDSA, the veterinary charity that Dickon founded since it began awarding them to animals in the Second World War. It made me think back in the day, and it, you know, our American listeners probably never heard of uh, uh, the Wide Awake Club or Roland Rat, but Roland Rat was, uh, was uh, a rat-like puppet that was uh, very prominent in the 80s. And I'm wondering if Roland Rat, he had a pet gerbil as well, or a friend who was a gerbil, or like a, a stuffed toy puppet gerbil. Um, I wonder if Roland Rat and his buddies could have detected landmines uh, as part of the Wide Awake Club. Um, his prize, I think any rat's prize actually, should be a dinner at the Michelin star Ratatouille restaurant. So don't always um, recommend um, Twitter handles. Uh, I do like Twitter. It's, uh, it's quite a, a mean little portal of, uh, of, uh, of perversion and nastiness sometimes. Um, but sometimes it's, it is incredibly amusing. So look up a Twitter handle, Accidental Partridge, uh, in honor of, um, of uh, Alan Partridge, of course, the, uh, the rather beaten down um, uh, radio star and TV star um, as uh, portrayed by Steve Coogan. But so the accidental uh, Partridge Twitter handle had um, a gentleman, a, I think a British chap in Canada. Uh, he has a, 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 a jar of um, um, he has a jar of cinnamon um, and he uh, he takes apparently on YouTube. There's a there's a big thing at the moment uh, with kids on YouTube having spoonfuls of cinnamon. So this guy, all bravado and gung ho. Uh, took a spoonful of this cinnamon and for the next like five minutes he was coughing spluttering he needed a gallon of water he poured a gallon over his head he was gargling um he said that the cinnamon's fallen like a cement uh, in the back of his mouth um absolutely ridiculous so i sent this to my daughter and she said uh daddy that was a very stupid thing to try that's very stupid by the way he was stupid but it was a funny funny boy boy 
<laughs> so that's what uh, her um, her uh, point uh, was about a guy trying a uh, spoonful of cinnamon. Absolutely, uh, absolutely ridiculous indeed. Oldest body armor discovered in Germany. Archaeologists have unearthed the world's oldest and most complete set of Roman body armor, yet on a battlefield where Germanic tribesmen wiped out three of their legions in AD 09. <clears throat> the discovery of an entire uh, piece of armor with the breastplate and back fastened together in northwestern Germany tells a gruesome personal story about a man who wore it and provides new insights into Roman military uh, technology. It just sort of makes you wonder, though, like historical artifacts, whether it's Roman armor found, gold coins found, um, Henry VIII's corset found, um, uh, any sort of little peccadillos that uh, some of the ancient Roman uh, emperors uh, may have used and entertained themselves. But I wonder what future generations will think about our sort of modern day uh, cult celebrity figures and politicians. Um, I mean, what will you think when future generations uncover and, 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 and dig up one of Trump's extra long ties or uh, or maybe uh, Kim Kardashian's ass clenching and lifting yoga pants um, or maybe even Justin Bieber's prison hoodie? I mean, will this be our generation's treasure of Tutankhamun, one would ask? So big glaring question of the week. Has COVID killed sexiness? Encouraged to put away our cleavages, elasticate our waistbands and shroud lower halves in shapeless fleecy jogging bottoms. Um, and a lot of people are wearing these upscale athleisure brands. Um, it, apparently, there's been a 250% increase in sales of leggings. Does it feel inappropriate now to dress sexy, to bedrock ourselves in the kind of pieces only six or seven months ago routinely integrated our wardrobes? The low cut, tight fitting, the flesh flashing, uh, moob elevating and boob elevating, leg lengthening, waist nipping. Um, what of lipstick and high heels for the ladies and some of the gentle mantelpieces? Um, rendered redundant by face masks and limited social opportunities, working days spent clattering around own houses and rare nights out. And what are spanks and all other forms of shape-enhancing underwear? Now, I wonder if they have, you know, spanks for the dad bod. I mean, could that hold in the uh, the beer belly and uh, drooping uh, moobs? I mean, you could have an extra extra high spanks to... Uh, to cover all sorts of sort of uh, indiscretions, you know, drop tummy, uh, maybe a, a slightly elevated chest, as I said, uh, anything that could uh, hold the moobs in or stop that moob cleavage from appearing. There must be some, uh, maybe there's sort of manx out there instead of spanks uh, for the uh, for the rather more rotund, cheeky chappy. So there's a lovely little documentary that's uh, coincided with John Lennon, what would have been John Lennon's 80th birthday. Paul McCartney tells Lennon's son it would have been a heartache if they hadn't reunited. He's so happy that he got together with his uh, with uh, your dad, Paul McCartney tells Sean and Lennon in a special interview to mark what would have been John Lennon's 80th birthday. Uh, McCartney has spoken in a new interview of his joy at reuniting with the Beatles bandmate and songwriter partner John Lennon. Talking with uh, Lennon's son Sean, he said it had been heartache if they hadn't been able to meet up again after the band had been torn apart due to what McCartney calls arguing and business differences. Uh, Lennon died in, uh, on December the 8th, uh, 1980 and was shot. Um, and there's an 80th uh, birthday celebration and an interview that airs on BBC Radio 2 uh, this weekend um, it's very interesting about uh, McCartney and Lennon because apparently they were in a whisker uh, effort and distance of getting back together in 1972 
on a US chat show. They were both, I think, uh, in New York City uh, within minutes of each other. And uh, it was nearly a, like a reunion on the chat show. Um, and uh, and they nearly got together in 1972. So absolutely fascinating. Uh, I wonder if that would have led to any Beatles reunions. I'm sure there could have been a Beatles reunion at Live Aid if, um, you know, if Lennon had survived to that point. Yeah, so we've got another enigmatic English eccentric. And this week it's Sir Tatton Sykes. Um, some of Britain's most famous eccentrics were Aztecats, like uh, Tatton Sykes, who had a, such a uh, pathological hatred of flowers. So extreme, if he ever saw one while out walking, he would immediately flog it to death with his walking stick. Um, tenants on his land in Yorkshire, meanwhile, were expressly forbidden from growing any such nasty, untidy things in their gardens or their cottages. If you want to grow flowers, grow cauliflowers was his uh, habitual mantra. Um, so, yeah, grow, keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Um, as he aged, Tatton became a miserable old uh, hypochondriac who obsessively followed various bizarre health fads of his own invention. He lived an almost uh, exclusive diet of cold rice pudding and, as the story goes, in 1911, refused to leave his uh, mansion of Sledmore House during a blazing fire until he finished his bowl. I must eat my pudding! He said to his servants as the flames consumed his property. Feeling that it was imperative to maintain a constant body temperature, Sir Tatton used to order his coats in, in, uh, in different sizes and wear them on top of one another in layers like a living Russian doll. Then he began to get too warm. He would simply remove one coat at a time and disregard it on the ground, relying on local boys to pick them up and bring them back to Sledmore for a small reward. Apparently he had a similar arrangement with his trousers. So we have more enigmatic English eccentrics next week on the on, on, on the podcast. Yeah, so here we go again uh, with our little historical Tinder game. Now, uh, in the historical Tinder, the axe often swings right to the left, or the sword, um, or the guillotine, um, or maybe there's like some sort of love potion or. Uh, kinky uh, nookie and how's your father going on as well so that's where we decide is it swinging right or left not if it's hanging right or left i suppose justin ii was the emperor of the byzantine empire from uh, 565 to 78 ad his rule was disastrous on the military front seeing that the borders of his empire collapse it is known that he has a key rival for the throne also named, known as justin murdered and is rumored that he ordered his head uh, ordered the head of the corpse to be brought to him so that his wife could play football with it. He was that's sort of a weird sort of menage a trois, I suppose. Um, I wonder if they knew the offside rule. He was uh, known to love being pulled along on a wheeled throne uh, from which he would lean over to bite members of his court, even as it's rumoured uh, that he ate a few of them as well. His mind was very troubled and he ordered uh, organ music uh, to be played at all times as he thought that it would help soothe him. His wife Sophia persuaded him to abdicate and he wisely adopted a well-known general as his son and had him crowned at Tiberius II Constantine. What a weird uh, monarch. I mean, and we, and as always, we have to, uh, we do have to make uh, the, uh, we do have to make the determination here. Uh, very important determination of, um, of uh, you know, the tender. The historical tinder. So, did the axe, uh, did the axe uh, uh, swipe right or left, or um, 
Oh. Uh, did it? Well, that's actually a drum roll. Uh, yeah, okay then. And uh, a little bit of pan-fried uh, bacon here uh, going on here. So we have to decide um, whether the axe swung to the right or, uh, or to the left here. Um, may, maybe, uh, yeah. So it certainly wasn't this. There's none of the, uh, none of the naughty little, uh, impish, uh, nookie going on there. But I think it was maybe more of, uh, I think this, this is what happened to the other Justin. In the battle of Justin versus Justin, this is what happened here. And again, and uh, yeah, so uh, so Justin certainly came to the other Justin came to his canuppance, and uh, I think the axe uh, certainly swung to the left on that occasion. We have another very creepy fireside butler ghost tale, and uh, this week it's Bodman Jail, a feeling of utter desolation. An aura of distinct unease radiates from the crumbling walls through the echoing corridors of Bodman Gaul. From the moment you catch your first glimpse of its sinister grey bulk looming over the tower of Bodman, a feeling of utter desolation takes hold, its intensity increasing as the gloom-laden walls draw nearer. Once across the threshold, you find yourselves pitched into a twilight world where vestiges of the gruesome past still linger and where the lost souls of long-ago prisoners still wander in turmoil. Bodman Jail began in 1770 and was constructed by Napoleonic prisoners of war using 20,000 tons of granite quarried on Bodman Wall. Chronic overcrowding led to it being extended several times. Um... Between 1785 and 1909, 50 people were executed at Bodman Jail. All but four of the hangings were carried out in public and provided a grisly source of entertainment. The story of Selina Wodge at Bodman. Another former prisoner whose spirit had been remained earthbound at Bodman Jail is Selina Wodge, who was arrested in 1878 for the murder of her youngest son, Harry. She told a constable that she'd been urged to murder him by her lover, James Westwood. Westwood strenuously denied this, claiming he had nothing against the boy. At a subsequent trial, the jury found Selina guilty through they recommended leniency on the grounds that she had taken good care of her children and their opinion that murder had not been premeditated. But the judge, Justice Denman, dis disagreed and sentenced her to death. On the 15th of August, 1878, a sobbing Selina was led from the condemned jail of Bobman Jail, clutching a white handkerchief. Mounting the scaffold, she uttered her last words, Lord, deliver me from a miserable world. And at 8am, the executioner pulled the lever of the trap and sent her plummeting to her death. Her body, still clutching the white handkerchief, was thus dangling for an hour before being cut down and buried. Her ghost, though, still wanders the prison where she tries to reach out to small children who often inquire about the crying lady in the long dress. There'll be another creepy little ghost tear. Anyway, so something that I've noticed from being a very um, energetic and uh, uh, enthusiastic dog walker is 
if you're doing this every day, you get sort of used to people with the same routines as you. But something else that I've noticed uh, whilst walking the hounds is there are dog walking doppelgangers. Um, they're, they're people that look like maybe famous people, infamous people walking their dogs on a daily basis. Um, one of my favorites has been uh, I've seen former British Prime Minister Theresa May uh, walking uh, walking her little dog. Uh, absolute, uh, I would say, uh, doppelganger, and uh, I've never seen anybody looks quite like Theresa May um, as uh, uh, as this lady. Maybe she could have got the Brexit deal through quicker. Who knows? Um, but um, but but also more creepily, I saw a female version of Dharma, uh, the serial killer, walking three um, bloodthirsty hounds around uh, around the trail yesterday spitting image of a greasy haired dharma but female uh and uh but i mean when people walk their dogs they're often wearing like hoodies god forbid um but uh, who knows what else you know uh, hats uh you know they're unshaving unshowered they're probably not looking their best maybe even a balaclava on but uh, maybe people think that uh oh, gosh that chap that you look first he looks like a butler but secondly he, he has the eyes of boy george he's spitting image of boy george if he shaved all his hair off he could be the spitting image of boy george and then i would also be a dog walking doppelganger hello we got me a skillywig dancer all right so we take the most heinous headline crimes of the week and we try to uh, separate them into a little game of darts here. Uh, missing the board, triple 20, bullseye, Sharpie's special prize. Okay, so let's get into it. So, uh, missing the board this week, I think, though. Bird's eye divides fans with a fish finger korma sandwich. And some people think it's all wrong. Uh, we won't lie, some of us love a good fish finger sandwich with tomato sauce. And you can't beat a curry night with korma and a naan bread. But whoever thought about... Uh, combining those two very different dishes um, to celebrate National Curry Week, Birds I've done that. They t- teamed up with, uh, they've actually teamed up with uh, Twisted, and they've created a new recipe combining one of the uh, nation's favourite curries with uh, with fish fingers. Um, all right, so an open naan, which is a was a food, you know, an open naan with fish fingered korma inside is a foodgasm waiting to happen. I mean, if you can stuff the chutney in there and a little bit of the, some of the curry sauces in there, just bring on the Kleenex. That's what I say. Um, I mean, I honestly do believe, I wish we could encase all of our favorite foods in a pastry triangle, i.e. a samosa. The pastry triangle is Chappie's Bermuda Triangle. I want to get lost in all of the triangle of pure joy and unctuousness so here we go this is uh, our triple 20 security worker terrified after hearing strange grunts at a haunted car auction the worker said he had waves of goosebumps while recording a spooky sound from inside a bathroom it also witnessed car lights turning on on its own in the middle of the night the security guard filmed a spooky video of what he believed was a spirit making eerie grunting noises from the bathroom um he said he heard uh, the ghost whispering and grunting uh, whilst he was uh, was he whilst he was on the john uh, doing his business in there. I was the only one in the building at the time. I went to the bathroom. The spirit was making severe grunting sounds. Oh my gosh! So 
I mean, I'm wondering if we could give the spirit ghostly prune juice, uh, maybe some turmeric. Uh, it could cause, uh, it could cure the apparitions, all the apparitions ailments, and it would make it shine like a yellow lantern. Uh, turmeric stains uh, dye everything, including ghouls' guts. All right, so we've got um, our uh, our bullseye of the week here. Um, bizarre footage has emerged of a car being driven down a busy road with an entire greenhouse strapped to its roof. Passing drivers were stunned to see the Citroen driving at speeds of 40 miles an hour with an 8-foot metal frame balancing on the top with a greenhouse. Local care manager Theresa Mulberry was a passenger um, behind and filmed the scene in Hordle near Limington in Hampshire. Theresa said there were no glass panels inside the metal frame. The wind was able to blow right through it and described the whole thing as mad. Um, all right, so, you know, I think that's our, uh, our bullseye of the week. But it makes me think, again, uh, you know, the butler's, mind is, uh, it, it, the butler's mind is wandering here, as always. Uh, I think we could take uh, a vegan Volkswagen on the road to deliver fresh groceries. You could uh, deliver eggplants straight to those desperate for veggie action. They could hop inside the greenhouse on top of the car and uh, bury their head in a bush of wheatgrass or maybe even uh, low-hanging tomatoes uh, bobbing, uh, bobbing their mouths and hitting their face. And uh, this week we've got two absolutely lovely um, Chappie special prize. The first is uh, I hired an escort and my best friend's mum turned up. Um, so anyway, uh, maybe the, uh, best friend's mum gave him the, uh, blue plate, blue rinse special teeth or no teeth. Um, and Stacy's mom certainly didn't have it going on. And I think my favorite story is the bizarre story of a royal nanny and Prince Charles special pudding. In the royal household, nannies hold a special power. There's a mistake tried to contradict her majesty. The queen is one young prince as nannies found at a cost. Uh, one of the fundamental differences between royals and the rest of us is the nanny. While most of us, for better or worse, raised by their parents, young royals spend most of their days with the paid domestic staff. But life doesn't always go smoothly. One of Prince Charles' nannies was fired as she fell out with Her Majesty the Queen over a special pudding. Royal expert tells the tale of a special pudding in the up upcoming book Long Live the Queen, 13 Rules for Living uh, from the Britain's Longest Reigning Monarch. Um, Edinburgh-born nanny Helen Lightbody ran the nursery for eight years from 1948. She has reportedly warned more than once about being too stern with Charles's younger sister. Nanny Lightbody, by all accounts, is a difficult customer. She came to be known by the press as no-nonsense uh, Lightbody. Uh, and she wrote she took pleasure in tormenting the palace kitchen with her exacting standards. Dishes for young Charles are constantly being refused or remade based on what little more than Nanny's Lightbody's personal whims. And she clashed with the Queen as well. The, uh, the, the Queen sent a nursery, um, sent to the Nanny, a simple request that Charles, then eight years old, be given a special pudding she thought he might like. Nanny Lightbody refused, crossed the dessert from the menu and incurred the crown's wrath. Nobody crosses with the Queen. And the Queen actually fired her after that. So it makes me think with the special pudding. The special pudding does take me back to boarding school. Um, uh, maybe a, a circle of spotty teens with a, a biscuit or cookie in the middle uh, of a protein-laden game of Russian roulette. You lovely, lovely, lovely people. Thank you for joining the podcast this week. Uh, follow me, Keep Cheese, on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm on Apple, Spotify, all of the different platforms. So uh, like and subscribe. I would love that. That's so delightful for you to do that. 
Um, anyway, let's finish, as always, uh, slightly uh, crusty and frog-in-the-throat chappy, um, with an autumnal poem by Emily Bronte. Fall leaves fall, die, flowers away. Lengthen night and shorten day. Every leaf speaks bliss to me, fluttering from the autumn tree. I shall smile when wreaths of snow blossom where the rose should grow. I shall sing when the night's decay ushers in a drearier day. Again, thank you very much. Merci beaucoup for joining the podcast. See you again next week.